Why aren't they eating our products every day? Welcome to Branding Over Wine, an exclusive podcast by Branding Map. I'm Martin Chira, and I'm super excited to be sharing some great conversation with some of our personal branding heroes. And one of them is certainly Ingeborg. Welcome, Ingeborg. Now, some guests on our show have established world-renowned marketing institutes or have written marketing bestsellers, but you have done something bigger. You have decommoditized the potato. Now that's a feat. I really like how by looking closely at eating behavior, lifestyles and values of consumers, you are able to give the eating of potatoes more meaning and a larger context. And through that, sell more Avico potato products in more markets at a slightly higher price point. For all of you listeners outside of Avico's main European markets, you probably haven't heard of the company, but they build a billion euro company just by selling potatoes. So that's a feat indeed. So everybody that wants to give more meaning and value to consumer products, hope this episode gives you inspiration. So Ingeborg, thank you so much for joining me. We've been working together for, yeah, for a while now, so we, we know each other well. And I must truly say, I'm so happy to have you, have you here. We're inviting all our marketing heroes. And one of the things that I think our, our listeners and our readers will appreciate most is how you combine, on the one hand, theory and practice, and really put theory into practical success, such as decommoditizing the potatoes. I think that's a, such a cool thing. Everybody always talks about it, but nobody really is able to do it. Or to start building a branding practice and a marketing practice across markets. Now, it's easiest if you've been given to it by head office and the brand already works. It's much more difficult to build it from scratch. So welcome, Ingeborg. Happy to have you here. Thank you. So, uh, first of all, indeed, how did you decommoditize the potato? Um, yeah, well, when we started, of course, we were not very aware that um, we were decommoditizing the potato. Uh, we just uh, started with an ambition to, to grow uh, the market. Uh, we were, uh, as Avco as a company, we are uh, dominant in, in the Netherlands. So we started actually thinking from the basis of our whole market. Uh, and we had such a high market share that the question came up, how can we even grow further than we already do? Because uh, then at one point you have to look and see how to make the difference compared to private label, where we all know that private labels are also um, developing themselves also on a technical basis. So uh, what we did was just uh, turn it around. Um, uh, we are from origin really a, a farmer organization, so the product is uh, highly appreciated uh, within our organization. Uh, what, we did, what we did was just turn it around and we looked into the uh, uh, needs and wishes of the consumers, which sounds so basically marketing but it's actually it was the the secret um because uh, if, if you are just focusing on this product level you are very low within the um uh, consumer decision tree because unluckily for us there's nobody saying okay what's for dinner tonight we're gonna eat potatoes and we see what else will will be will be joined <laughs> 
Um, so it's always about the meat or about the vegetables. And, uh, and then it's like, okay, maybe pasta. And then at some point came the potato. So I thought if we want to grow, we should just uh, be on a higher level within the decision tree of the consumer. Um, because that, Yeah, that, that is so fascinating. First of all, yes, I mean, uh, uh, you're right. I mean, every marketeer and every interview you read and listen to, they always say, listen to the consumer. It's a cliche, but it's much more difficult to actually do it and get it done. And what I really find fascinating is how you looked at the consumer decision tree and tried to get the potato a little bit higher up there. Can you say something about that? Yeah, it, it was actually also by just uh, go into the market and uh, talk, to, uh, talk to consumers. Uh, so because by going higher up in the decision tree of the consumer, there are just other elements that are relevant for consumers to make a choice. Um, and uh, so what, what I started was actually just uh, with my friends. I, I invited a lot of my friends for this, this WhatsApp groups. And then one day in the week, we would just cook all together. And uh, then with WhatsApp, and I, I asked them to share whatever came up with them while preparing their dinner. Uh, and then uh, at one point, I noticed that there is uh, so many standard elements and we start recognizing also the, uh, um, let's say, the, 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 the planning uh, that they had during the week and why they choose a specific day. So... You had like a friend on the Monday, she goes to sports, so she has to have something which is quickly prepared. And so, so we were looking all the time and everybody was talking about, okay, I want something different eating this week compared to, to the week before. Uh, but at the end, there was this, you know, this pattern in, in the week. Uh, so I found that very fascinating to see, okay, you know, it's not only, of course, the product is still very important, um, but it's also on looking into the, the, the needs and wishes of the consumer and what are actually, let's say, the, the, the framework within where the consumer uh, takes the, their decisions on, on what to eat. Um, so mm. um, so if, if I may, if I understand correctly, what you did is you got together with a group of friends and you started cooking together and you noticed there was this pattern, let's say this, this cooking pattern in there that certain days are prepared in a certain, uh, in a certain way. For instance, if somebody has to go to sports, you mentioned if they have something. So, and, and then what you do with, with, with that pattern? So uh, what, we, what we followed up, I tried to identify different uh, days. Uh, so uh, I came up with uh, six different days. Um, and uh, I thought, now, if I look at my at the consumers and the friends of my I talked to, I think these are the six different, um, you know, it, it's not like occasions, but um, it, it's just uh, uh, demands or, um, you know, what they are looking for. So um, uh, there's just these six, and I have to see how my product fits into these uh, six different days and uh, next step was that we had uh, a consumer fair um, and uh, it was a seven day fair so there came a lot <laughs> of consumers came there and we just make this this little overview and we just took this different six different uh, cooking days uh, and we asked consumers to 
tell us how their cooking week looks like with those six different days. Uh, and we had okay. uh, uh, over 30,000 consumers uh, who uh, came to, to, to our uh, stand and, and they all recognized the days in the cooking week. And it was very funny to see that they also knew the cooking week of their friends. Uh, so I thought, okay, oh, interesting. Yeah, if you already know this from you know your friends, it's just so big part of the decision tree. Their consumers are looking at it. So then we had this this days of the cooking week, and then we went further and talking about okay, uh, what are then actually the criterias or the important elements, uh, uh, the needs, the motivations. Uh, for uh, these six different uh, uh, days, which, of course, also came from more emotional to just functional elements. Um, it was about healthiness or just enjoying who's at the table, all different kind of things. Uh, okay, but so they could cap be captured in those six days. So you're you, uh, based on your own, uh, let's say, um, cooking experience or anthropological uh, almost anthropological work with uh, cooking in France, you found like this pattern and then you tested this pattern uh, in a fair and you saw that uh, with 30,000 uh, cookers uh, and consumers and you saw that this pattern was amongst this 30,000 more or less universal. At least that's how I interpret your words. Is that correctly? Yeah, well, it wasn't that the pattern during the week was universal. It was just yeah. you have six different days uh, yeah. And um, this pattern, th these different days are recognized. It's not like uh, all consumers uh, had these six different days. So there's also, you know, talking to people who didn't like to cook. Uh, one of the patterns we see is, for example, extensive cooking, mm -hmm. extensive cooking week, we call it. And uh, yeah. if you don't like cooking, you don't have that. Yeah. You know? yeah. So uh, you see that uh, those six days are there and they are recognized by consumers. You don't have to explain them. It's not like uh, every consumer chooses uh, those um, those days. So, for example, you also have we also have a try something new day. Yeah. Uh, and uh, if you see that also some more conservative oriented consumers, they just prefer to cook what they already know. So they are not, you know, in the basis looking for new dishes or a new taste uh, pattern. So, you know, th that's the difference. But they do recognize it. They just say, okay, it's not for me. Um, okay, so, so what you found out at university, there's a pattern. And amongst different groups, this pattern differs, but there are different groups and they have similar patterns. Do I see the correct? Yeah. Like, and with yeah. patterns, I mean, how they cook during the week. Yeah, yeah, those different days. And also universal, uh, what you feel is uh, important on this day. So, ex for example, I just talked about this extensive cooking day. Mm -hmm. It's like very important. You cook a long time. So, uh, you know, you, you sit at a nice table. Uh, preferable friends or family only, just a bigger group than your own family. Um, it's how the food looks on the tables, also important uh, to uh, you know to 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 support the atmosphere. Uh, and for example, if you if we earlier we talked about uh, try something new. If you have tried something new, then it's just uh, you can use a recipe. I do something uh, that's not necessarily something I could before. So uh, there's 
some kind of risk maybe. Uh, yeah. And the biggest day uh, is uh, the fresh day, uh, which is just, I always call it, the, just the normal through the week uh, day. And this day is actually all consumers have this fresh day. So it's okay. just, I don't have that much time, but I want to eat healthy, you know, that, okay. that kind of things. So that there is, let's say, this, this, this pattern of how consumers look at food, how consumers look at, at health and at taste. And there, are these, and these, there are a couple of patterns amongst different consumer groups. That's a really an interesting anthropological way of looking and adding value to the potato by looking at how it's being used and cooked. Now, that's, that, that's really fascinating. And um, it, it is your first did this in the Netherlands. I mean, and how does this relate to, the, is, this, is this universal only in the Netherlands or is this like really universal with the big U? Do you see this also in other markets? Yeah, so that's a good question. So uh, there were two important elements here to investigate. Uh, yeah. One, the first one was the role of the potato. So we can have all those days, but is the potato actually uh, the right product to serve the consumer in these different uh, uh, cooking days? Uh, because that's also always the nicest thing for me to tell because we a lot of times in my job people say oh yeah, yeah you have this boring potato nearly <laughs> uh, which of course we don't feel like but yeah. uh, it's kind of uh, image issue there uh, and then you have pasta you have rice and then uh, especially if they talk about pasta they think of italy and all those emotional appreciations but then so so then I thought okay what about potato but actually you know I think the potato is the perfect product to suit all those uh, different uh, uh, eating occasions Uh, because if you if you have a quick meal day you know you have ready meals with potato in it but if you are extensive cooking you can have our gratin options, uh, uh, extend, uh, you know, the fresh day, of course, there's potato also. So I, I always talk to uh, our retail partners, say, you know, why talk about pasta? Because potato is just the most suitable product. <laughs> the only product in the supermarket that can suit every day for the consumer. So that was already uh, uh, fine. I, I mean, uh, and who would have thought that the most boring potato, if you want to call it that way, can be uh, elevated to suit everybody's needs and actually become exciting. That is, uh, that's quite amazing, huh? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, <laughs> it is. So it was very nice. And it was also uh, in my job, in my international job, you know, start talking about this potato. Uh, and and what, what I noticed is that uh, it's kind of boring in every country, uh, unluckily. Um, but it, what, it, there's also this very big feeling of, you know, nearly comfort food, like in the yeah, Netherlands, yeah, yeah, we yeah. say the potato is really Dutch, but they also say that when I talk to my Scandinavian colleagues, they also say it when I am in Poland. So I thought, okay, <laughs> this is very nice. <laughs> yeah. This, it nearly become, the potato nearly became super food. Eh? You can use yeah. it any more. It, it's it, like everybody thinks it's, it's their own uh, uh, product, but uh, then... So then I thought, okay, maybe this cooking week we developed uh, for the Netherlands could also work in, uh, in, in other countries, which was from marketeers. You know, I started like, okay, just act as a person and look into personal values. Uh, and uh, it was the same, you know, it's like, so 
if I look back, it feels nearly a li- little bit stupid thinking, you know, because we are all, for example, myself, I'm a mother. So uh, what, you know, a mother in Poland doesn't have the same feelings as a mother in the Netherlands. Of course not. You know? so, so we have these functional elements, but we also have these more emotional elements. And of course, they are the same in all countries. So what we did, we investigated this, this cooking week, as we call it, uh, in all countries uh, that we are in, retail countries. And uh, it turned out it's everywhere. Uh, which is not so surprising, but <laughs> the most surprising part was is that the how the days are divided tur- during the week, um, yeah. they are the same in all countries. So yeah. of course, fresh day is the is is the biggest day, uh, and then suddenly with the potato product, which was so you know nearly uh, uh, cultural uh, uh, influence because everybody thought okay, a potato is just really a local product suddenly we had this more universal concept um not only within within the netherlands and the different consumer groups from mothers families to students and you know pension pension people uh, but also between the countries and so so that is that yeah i've noticed before so you know it's everybody thinks that when they think of their own cuisine at least in northern uh, in northern europe they think it's potato so uh, potato, well, that's Scandinavian, of course. Potato, well, that's Polish, of course. I mean, potato, that's Romanian. And we Dutch think the same way. Uh, tell me a little bit about, uh, you suggested uh, using values and using uh, laddering up emotions. Can you say something more about the, um, uh, the mother's need and the cooking in there and how you utilize that and how that's different per market? Yeah, so, so, you know, when I started uh, talking about becoming higher in the consumer decision tree um, uh, to, to be just have a more potential for our products, um, uh, if you go higher, there are also different um, uh, elements that are relevant for consumers. So taking care and wanting to take care of your family is actually one of the most important elements when choosing uh, an evening meal or even, you know, your schedule during the week. Uh, so we learned that that was the same, of course, in all countries. And uh, we needed to create, you know, differentiation on our products that uh, suits and answers those uh, needs. Um, but there are also more practical or cultural influenced elements uh, for example, which I always find a funny example is if you look at the um, fresh day mm-hmm. um, in the Netherlands, we kind of cook 20 minutes, maybe 25 if you like to cook. And then we want to have something healthy, preferable, what likes what, what everybody likes. This is a universal concept. <laughs> um, and also to be healthy, of course, because I want to take care good for my family, no matter what's you know, how many people there are uh, in my family. Um, But taking care of my family was also a difference. So in the Netherlands, we had the cooking 20 uh, minutes, 25 minutes. Uh, Within Poland, for example, it's 45 minutes. So we had the same emotional needs, only, uh, you know, we use uh, longer time in Poland, where in the UK it's only 15 minutes. So you see a difference there. So there's one element. And the other element is that uh, the definition of healthy. So in mm-hmm. Poland, uh, a mother has the feeling taking good care of her 
family of her children when starting with soup. Uh, and because there's a, in the soup there's already a lot of vegetables in the main course there are not that much vegetables where in the Netherlands we you know the more vegetables in this fresh meal the better of course within <laughs> these 20 minutes we we don't uh, do two course uh, uh, fresh day uh, the more vegetables uh, the better and also color you know we like to have color different colors and you know, yes. so that's important. And if I look into mothers in the UK, a lot of times they talk about uh, gluten-free, um, vegan, vegetarian. So, you know, th- th- this more emotional benefit of the fresh day is more uh, translated into this kind of element. So you see actually a, a difference there. So on an emotional level, it's the same on, uh, let's say, a recipe level uh, and preparing the meal, there are some differences. So um, you have, let's say, an emotional framework and an emotional universal need that you can tap into. That's, let's say, uh, the mother's care and perhaps also in, in the Netherlands and the West and also, I hope at least, dad's care, but perhaps we're not there yet. And what you see is how this translates culturally differently. And this is, let's say, the amount of time that's necessary to cook a decent fresh meal and how, let's say, taking care of nurturing translates to, uh, for instance, in Poland, that you need to have a soup, a two-course meal. And in the Netherlands, it means uh, to chuck in a lot of vegetables to make it very look fresh and colorful. And in the, U- and in the UK, it looks more at um, the, the functional benefits, additional benefits of food, such as gluten-free. Yeah. That's really, really an... an, an an interesting example of how a universal concept of the first ladder up and that its concept is translated in different manners in different cultures. That's, uh, that's cool. And then, uh, and, and how did you use this to, 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 to build your international marketing? Uh, well, we, so we have this universal concept called the cooking week, mm-hmm. uh, recognizable, by all consumers in all different countries. So uh, we communicate this. This also makes sure we play a role uh, on the top of the consumer decision tree and not uh, when they finally end up with potato. Uh, It also is an advantage that uh, as we are in the top, we talk about recipes and not necessarily on the nutritional values of the potato within, you know, uh, a diet of a person. So it it offers a a big advantage there. Uh, And so that's also what we do in our marketing is that we uh, give a lot of recipes, recipe ideas um, to consumers. Uh, But the difference is that sometimes uh, a recipe uh, for uh, Poland is on the fresh day where actually in the Netherlands it's extensive cooking uh, okay. because it's just uh, you know you look at this time frame uh, uh, our Nordic people they like to eat gratin for example in the Netherlands a gratin never 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 will fit on a fresh day it's always extensive cooking where in oh. in, in Scandinavian it's, it's different so so you have some of those elements uh, but we still can use the same recipes uh, and the same pictures and same content uh, only on the website where we offer consumers a solution based on the cooking week. They they just end up at somewhere else. 
Okay, that is, and I, I think it's also very nice what you mentioned there is that you uh, refocus your marketing on recipes, so adding value, also adding insights and the cooking week uh, into making the potato slightly more important than it uh, was before. That's the thing. And when you, so this, you rolled it out. Did you also look at how, because you mentioned it earlier, uh, different groups have different patterns. Did you use that insight also internationally more? Um, yes. Uh, besides, you know, the universal concept of the cooking week, mm -hmm. um, we kind of divide con uh, countries into segments. And uh, let's say segments is maybe not the right word. We, we, uh, we partner up uh, countries. Yeah. And we partner up not uh, because they are located some, some, somewhere, like for example, that, that you say, okay, we have the same approach for Eastern Europe, that because they're all the same. Uh, and and, and yeah, Western Europe are good. all the same. Yeah. Uh, so, so we uh, we had the, this uh, segmentation based on motivational groups for the for the markets, mm -hmm. um, and we have five different motivational groups. Where, okay. uh, as I explained, you know, we are up more in the in the top of the decision tree. So, also yeah. motivational elements are important. So that's why this way of segmentation fits uh, our marketing strategy. So just just to make sure I understand. Um, so are you talking about how you grouped the markets together, for instance, on the position of the market, or are you talking about how each market has different motivational groups and you grouped them according to those motivational, and you grouped the groups within each market to these motivational groups? Well, actually, it's both. So we have okay. segmentation based on motivational groups. So we have five okay. different groups. And within those five different groups, we have more or less, like, say, three groups where we focus uh, on. So that's yeah. on the one hand, just our general approach. And then we, we compare countries uh, within those groups. So all those five different groups, they are uh, present in all countries. Okay. Only the size of those groups differ per country. And the, uh, just to make it a bit more concrete for you, for our listeners, um, which groups are you talking about? Uh, so, for example, we have uh, the groups we are talk talking about, uh, we are focusing on is the creatives, we have the socializers, okay. and we have the achievers. And, and those are, let's say, your three target groups in each market? Yes. Yes. Okay. And, and you find them in all the markets that you're active? We find them in all markets, but for example, the achievers within the Netherlands are very small, uh, okay. whereas socializers in Poland are just a smaller group. So you see they are present uh, everywhere. So uh, based on, on uh, we, we do all our marketing and product development based on these motivational groups. Okay. Um, but if, of course, in a country, achievers is very small, um, we, we do not take this as a lead country to okay. uh, do, do the, the marketing or the NPD. So, so we kind of um, partner up countries based on the size of the motivational groups. Ah, that is really um, a novel way of grouping markets together. Most of the time you indeed see these silly groups of EMEA or uh, yeah. uh, Europe or Southern Europe and it just, Chuck countries together that you know uh, have nothing to do with each other, other culturally, or, or even within a market that you have these 
huge differences and they did chuck everything together. So actually what you did is uh, you looked at them, if, uh, and please correct me if I'm wrong, you looked at the different motivational groups that you built per country or the per country, and depending on the importance of these motivational groups within your marketing strategy and the country, you are you grouping countries together? Yes, that's correct. Okay. That's very interesting. And that means that, for instance, though, I presume, for instance, that uh, countries where the creative score higher are grouped together. Yeah. Yeah. For example, uh, UK and the Netherlands both have big creative groups. So we have some yeah. products that we projects which we combine there. Uh, but also sometimes you see like this combination between Spanish market and the Netherlands where, you know, if you just start, you will never <laughs> figure that uh, those countries will be grouped. So, yeah. yeah just, just um, and, and what do you, when you say creatives, what do you mean? Is there, can you quickly explain what creatives are in your opinion? Yeah, well, we see creatives as uh, I talked earlier about uh, try something new day. Uh, yeah. And this is really a, a, a creative day for this group. So uh, we also have this group conservatives where we are not focused on, but they don't have tried something new. So these creatives, they are like consider themselves to be part of the world. They are looking into maybe richer taste profiles, not mm -hmm. necessarily more extreme, but just richer. They are more into world kitchens. They try mm -hmm. new things. They are a lot of time also uh, early innovators like Okay. Uh, sweet potato, yeah. we see that this trend starts really when, within countries which has a big amount of creatives. So okay. um, they are just yeah, more open. So uh, more open to experimental cooking. They see themselves as part of the world. Uh, uh, they li like to also have this experimental way of thinking inside their cooking process and their recipes. And you see these are, let's say, large chunks, if you want to call it that way of uh, the, the cookers, of, of the, the avical target audiences in the UK and in the uh, Netherlands. That's why you grouped them together. But also you suggest that they're a large part of Spain. Yes, yeah. So uh, we are currently uh, very little in Spain, but if I decide uh, which uh, we are actually looking into Spain, uh, whether we should enter a market of, or not, uh, of course we look into market shares and competitors and all those <laughs> standard yeah, the, things. The usual, the usual, yeah, yeah. Uh, usual suspect, yeah. yeah. But we also, we, we actually decide whether to go or not based on these motivational uh, uh, groups. Uh, okay. Just because, you know, we uh, as, uh, as a company, we are not the company with the biggest budgets. Uh, and so one disadvantage is going up in this decision tree is that you meet other uh, um, brands that have much bigger budgets than that we have. So uh, I always say uh, we have to be the, the smartest <laughs> by combining <laughs> things and working together on things. Uh, yeah. so, so, so we can use something uh, created, let's say in Poland, we can also use it in other countries. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, that's interesting. So basically you're also using the system to pull, to pull marketing assets across markets. So this is that, you know, uh, and let's say you have a lead country. Uh, if I interpret your words that you mentioned earlier, uh, that is in charge of a certain segment where this, this, this segment is very large. And yeah. uh, that country starts making marketing assets also for the other markets. 
Yeah. Or also yeah. to be used in the other markets to be correct. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's correct. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, that that is actually a very um, I won't call it a revolutionary way of organizing your market. I mean, you read about it in textbooks, but it doesn't actually happen that often. Most, let's say, markets are still stuck in uh, in Eastern Europe, whatever Eastern Europe is, even if Eastern Europe is the is the the, the center of Europe, or uh, they are stuck in Southern Europe. While there are such huge differences between the Greek and the Spanish market, as big as the as the Spanish and the Dutch markets. So this is a very very I think in the an approach that we can all learn from. And then, so, but you also mentioned a little bit earlier on that you uh, categorized markets on uh, the position of Avico uh, in the market. Did, did I understand that correctly? Yeah, we, we uh, actually, it feels like I'm standardizing everything in, a, in, 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 let's say, an area where creativity, I think, is, uh, is the key success factor, <laughs> if I tell it now. But yes, the, it's like we create. Uh, this standard approach and so that we can be more creative within those uh, domains uh, and help each other more. So uh, what we do, we have three different um, uh, categories of markets. So we have markets where we are a market leader. Uh, we communicate on marketing communication level also the whole cooking week. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. Then we have let's say the markets where we are challenger. So we are not the market leader. We have definitely another brand in the market that's market leader, but we are more the challenger. Yeah. Uh, we choose to answer the market and also to, uh, uh, you know, our marketing uh, strategy, one specific day or maybe two specific days. Uh, and the last category is... And in, uh, the specific days, you mean days of the cooking week, I suppose. Days of the cooking week, yeah. yeah sorry. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and uh, the last category is that we are entering a market and we always enter a market by big cooperation with one of our trade partners. So we try to add all the insights. That and with trade partners, you mean retail? Yeah, a retailer or, you know, some cases maybe a distributor, but usually a, a retailer. Uh, and uh, we we uh, share with them the insights which we got from the cooking week. So in all our marketing communication activities that we do, we always ask consumers uh, how their cooking week looks like. And sometimes we focus on just one specific day. Uh, so imagine on, among all those countries, uh, how much insights we get on how people are cooking. So we always say to the retailer, you know, you know how consumers buy, but we know how they cook. And it makes a strong combination, you know, and at the end, we all want to get to surface the consumer better. So uh, it really uh, adds up. And uh, I think uh, all together, maybe we have, I'll say, 450,000 consumers who shared their cooking week uh, with us. So we know, you know, on the Monday, how many people have a fresh day in the Netherlands or in Poland or in the UK, uh, how much they eat out. Um, um, yeah, you know, we have so much insights, uh, which not only is for our marketing communication, but also, you know, in our assortment choices, assortment strategy, our MPDs, um, you know, in, in talking to consumers about in, within our category vision we built with the retailers. It's just such a nice bundle of information. 
that Indeed. can really help. Yeah, yeah and uh, you, you said so many uh, interesting things that I have to really try to remember them and pick up the first one said, okay, first of all, about the standardization. I mean, there is nothing wrong with standardization. I mean, it can actually breed creativity. I mean, it's like poetry. You need to have some, some rules, some, some guidelines into the metrum, into the balance or the, the rhythm. And based on that, you can use your creativity. And as you know, yeah, yeah, standardize, you can yeah. use your creativity to reach more markets. Yeah, and, and so, so the bi biggest challenge in that is, you know, uh, convincing your team in all the countries that by actually standardizing things that there's more possible. Um, that's, so that's, that's a big one. Yeah. So this is one. the uh, and uh, convincing the teams in each country by standardizing so they can use the material across markets. Yeah. That is the thing. And how do you convince them? Because it's easier said than done. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely <laughs> said and done. I think well, we it, both it, know it, what kind of struggles this can yeah. be. <laughs> yeah. uh, now, the, the first point is that I always uh, start uh, working for a period in, in the countries, you know, to be there, to be part of the team, to also experience the country um, and uh, also uh, uh, understand the cultural differences. Um, so, so we do that. And as a team, uh, we have two big elements. So, uh, of course, we invest a lot of money and time in understanding similarities, but also differences between countries. But it's actually also part of our team. So somebody in Poland will respond differently on the same situation as somebody in the UK. Uh, so uh, You mean one of your own team members? Oh, yeah, our own team yeah. members. Just yeah. uh, bear in mind, you know, that it's also a cultural element uh, that you can actually learn in your own team and uh, maybe sometime ask uh, subtitle what's being said what's actually mentioned like we Dutch you know we we always say <laughs> yeah you know we are just honest and you know what we think and uh, but it's a lot of time also considered to be uh, pretty rude yes <laughs> in yes. Other countries. yes we are yes we are rude yeah so um, yeah you know and and uh, so, so there are a lot of difference you know like uh, people in Poland uh, they uh, they are really knowledge-driven uh, society, uh, also in terms of working. Uh, and uh, but sometimes in the beginning, it like happened before I knew that. I thought, okay, you know, uh, they are not telling me everything, but they just just use all the information they had to serve it to you at the right time. So, so, this, so, so, so this is really interesting. What, what you're suggesting here is that. Uh, first, what you mentioned to to uh, to back up a little bit, the differences you see within markets, you also see within your own team. Yeah. And an example of this is how they use knowledge uh, within communication. So, uh, uh, could you repeat just to make sure that we get it correctly that uh, Dutch people use knowledge differently than, for instance, Polish people? Yeah, yeah, it's like like Poland's really a knowledge-driven society. I always call it that way. Yeah. So it's it, uh, it's good to be to service you for a long time with knowledge. Uh, yeah. And uh, but as a Dutch, we always say, put it on the table. So <laughs> just put everything on the table, and then we yeah. discuss it. Yeah. Uh, so that that's a really big difference. So if you are just you know approaching them with your Dutch 
uh, way of working, you may say, okay, you know, these guys are not telling me everything. <laughs> and, uh, yes, yes. And yeah. also one big difference, uh, and I'm talking about Poland and, uh, and the Netherlands, is that uh, Poland just wants to have clear what needs to be done. You know, yeah, it's yeah. like, and uh, Dutch, they want to have space, you know. Yeah. I, you know, I studied myself. Don't tell me what to do because exactly, I'm exactly, inside yes, of myself. Yes, yes, yes. It's just Don't a very different, me. Yeah. Yeah, 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 different yeah, exactly. approach. But all, you know, both, and that's important to understand within your team, both uh, the bases are just a good basis. You know, yeah. so, so we all have the same. And, and there comes the second point. So I, I said two elements which are important. What we do is that we uh, have a, a big ambition so we set the ambition together. And um, so, so for our team, for all countries, we say, okay, we, oh, we stop as a country, uh, as a team, sorry, we stop as a team working uh, if the consumer eats our products every day. Okay. So not That's about cool. market share. Not, you know, all those... Yeah, you know? yeah. So it's a very we, nice, beautiful goal, let's say. Let's say yeah. a more poetic goal, yeah. uh, creative goal than just say market share, which, I mean... Uh, that's not a strategy goal. I mean, that is just, you know, uh, a number. So that's actually a very nice way of translating it. Yeah, and, and so then we look at everything. Why aren't they eating our products every day? Because, you know, I thought it's the perfect product. You can eat it actually every day. <laughs> yeah. So we don't see any reason. Uh, yeah, of course. We, so <laughs> we, we, we try to find out what the reasons are and we try to solve it. And, uh, uh, you know, the, the atmosphere in the team is really like we help each other. So we do something uh, not for our own market, but we are on a mission together for those seven days a week. Uh, not only in your own country, but in whole the world, in the whole world. So, cool. you know, yeah, it yeah. creates a very nice sharing atmosphere, understanding cultural differences and understanding also situations and different situations in the market and uh, then just work together. And and, the, uh, and I think this is really crucial, what you said, to understand the different situation in the market. Now, what I uh, really can stress, what, what I hear you saying as well, is uh, to go and visit the markets. Go there, talk to the yeah. team, understand the markets. I mean, that first of all, you need this information just to survive, just to make good marketing plans and actions. But second, uh, you need credibility from your from your from your local team. I mean, Absolutely. otherwise, how can you get credibility from your local team and then they will not implement? No, and also, you know, uh, of course, my role is also to uh, make sure that the countries get what they want. You know, by un for me, by understanding the countries better and the situation in the market, it it's, uh, enables me also to be, you know, in the political way uh, to, to make sure that uh, we get what's needed in Poland or in Scandinavia. And on the other hand, our board can expect us to work closely together and to share and, and cooperate on everything where there is cooperation uh, possible. Uh, but then I can also stretch out better to the board that uh, we definitely so need something different for the UK or for Poland or for the Netherlands or, you know, those. so it works two ways. And it makes sense as well, what you say here. So I guess we're nearing the end of the interview and um, just to sum up a little bit of the, the, the key findings, because we had several key findings in just one short session is 
one thing what I find incredibly interesting is how you decommoditize the potato is by laddering up for, for universal needs, finding patterns of these universal needs uh, across markets and then translating them in a universal matter. So focusing on a special cooking day, for instance, extensive cooking day or the fresh day, but also understanding some of these universal needs are translated locally. For instance, in Poland, what you mentioned was a great example. A mom shows her caring for the dinner and for the uh, uh, in a two-course meal, soup and uh, a second dish. And in the Netherlands, that's a chunk load of vegetables in it. And in UK, that is uh, vegetables or products with uh, additional benefits, such as gluten-free. And uh, I, I, uh, we mentioned a lot of moms, but I hope also this is also a question of more dads. But perhaps that's beyond the, this. Yeah, this it's podcast. actually everybody that's taking care of somebody, which can also be yourself. Right? So yes, it's yes, indeed. Two persons, or the, you know, it's yeah. also you want to take care of yourself. So it's everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, the reality is, it's still moms, and we're marketeers, so we have to um, to uh, not only look at where we want to go, but also what the reality is. The second, what I also found incredibly interesting for our readers and our listeners is how to divide the market, not according geographically, but let's say based on different social groups or segments, if you want to call it, target audiences that are similar. And then organize, let's say, a market leader in that. And the last way to organize the markets is also based on, let's say, uh, the role of Avico in a market. Are you market leader? Are you challenger or entering the market? And then you'd enter with a, a, a partner, a retailer, distributor. Um, and the last, but certainly not the least large learning that we can get out of this is that differences that you find in the markets, you also find in your team and how to use them and how to understand them better. And last, certainly but not least, always go to the market. Whatever happens, um, uh, live your own insights and go to the market and uh, work with that. Yes, and create this shared goal, huh? ridiculous <laughs> goal, but uh, you know, a shared ridiculous goal. Well, yeah. if it's shared, at least it's you know halfway through from being ridiculous to actual reality. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And last but not least. If there's anybody that you could invite to this podcast, anybody of the people you would really like to have a podcast, a marketing podcast with, who should we invite? A uh, very good question. I don't even know somebody by name, but what for me really interesting is like I talked uh, a lot about how we try to bridge uh, our international retail operations. But as a company, we also have a very big food service. And uh, I always end up with a lot of discussions there, you know, like if you are B2B, then branding is not important at the, anymore and it's just different. But I just don't believe that. <laughs> so, no, no, I, I totally agree. And, I mean, yeah. actually, uh, uh, research has shown that it's actually not the case. Exactly. Yeah. I also shown those research, but now, so, so for me, it would be so interesting to talk to somebody or to hear somebody talking who has this experience. I always say like, you know, it's, it's like, uh, there are put all people, um, and, uh, maybe it's just a difference between 
uh, bananas and apples, let's say it that way. <laughs> but I always say you eat them the same way. So, uh, you know, it, it, it would be interesting to see uh, what's happening and, and if somebody has a good experience there. We'll try to make it so. So somebody that has good B2B marketing experience. And we'll keep the quote, your quote, and uh, yes, bananas and apples are different, but you eat them the same way. So with that, we'll close up and we'll eat those bananas and apples the same way and speak to you another time. Take yes, care, Ingeborg. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Ingeborg, for joining us today and sharing your valuable practical experience. Found your classic marketing case inspirational. And I hope our listeners did too. And if so, dear listeners, please share our Branding Over Wine podcast with friends and colleagues. And when you have a moment, we'd love to get your reviews or ratings. Hope to have you all listening in on our next podcast. And thank you all for tuning in.